Hello, everyone. Back with another podcast today about appraisals and the process, what they are, why you need them, who needs them, and all of the above and anything in between. Uh, we talked about this briefly on my feasibility study podcast, but I figured this kind of deserved its own. One is it's uh, the other half of the business that we uh, we focus on here at Canadian Self Storage Valuation Services. Um, so, what is an appraisal? Well, it is a report that uh, will tell you and uh, anyone else asking what the market value uh, of your property as of a certain date is. Um, now, there are different types of appraisal too, where we could do perspective, looking forward, retrospective, looking back, uh, you know, previously dated appraisals for tax purposes, and a lot of just weird minutia. But uh, today we're just going to cover a market value appraisal, uh, just sort of what we would generally really do for that and why we do it. So what is it? Well, it's a report that says, well, this is what you have and this is the income it generates and this is how big it is and this is what it's worth in today's market. Why do you get an appraisal? Well, there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, Typically, the biggest reason is for financing, whether it be for purchase, for sale, for refinancing, um, rolling into new companies, things like that. We've also had appraisals for partnership breakups, for buying out partners, uh, divorce, um, and then we get into the weird uh, appraisals for assessment appeals and things like that, which is a little different, which I will not cover here, but rather in a future podcast about assessment appeals and what we've seen this year as we're still fighting some of them. So the process, uh, typically you'll email me or call me and say, hey, Patrick, I need an appraisal. And I will say, what for? Uh, and when do you need it? Um, and you'll tell me, well, I, I'm looking to buy this facility or uh, I'm looking to pull financing out of it or I'm moving my financing or whatever your reason is. And then I'll say, great, how long until you need it? And then you will lie to me and tell me you need it next week. Um, and I will tell you that's probably not possible. Uh, and then we'll actually agree on a reasonable date. Uh, you'd be surprised how often that happens where someone will tell me, well, I need it for the end of the week. And then I'll talk to the lender and like, we're not closing in for a month. We don't need an appraisal for three weeks. Um, being realistic with your appraiser, whether that be me or someone else about your timing will help you greatly in a few areas. Uh, one, uh, not being mad at them when they don't deliver in three days Two, price. Uh, I have this running thing where, uh, good, cheap, and fast. Those are the three options. Uh, I've already picked good. You get to pick one other. So if you want it cheap, it's not going to be fast. If you want it fast, it's not going to be cheap. Uh, If I have to work on the weekends or late at night because uh, you uh, didn't engage me in time, that's going to cost some money because I really would rather not do that. Um, We have a saying in the office, which is a failure to plan on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. So please plan ahead, be realistic with your appraiser on when you need things as well, because that'll make them feel a lot better. When I have been rushing and working late hours and I find out that something wasn't needed for another two weeks, it it really puts a bad taste in my mouth. And it's, it's just, it, it's not something I like to have to deal with. So yeah. And then after we go through when you need it, what you need, I will give you a document request. Usually I want a management summary. Um, if you're using SiteLink or any of the other software providers out there, I would like to know what you're renting, how much you're renting it for, actual occupancy, economic occupancy, all that kind of stuff. Um, A unit mix, a current 
uh, rate sheet so I know what you're actually renting units for. Uh, and then I'll ask for some financials as well uh, so I can see expenses, but so I can also make sure that what you are telling me is realistic. Uh, banks look at financials as well. And if you have financials saying your rental income last year is 450 k and you've provided me a management summary saying that your rental income in the same facility is 900 k there's going to be a lot of questions and I'd prefer to be able to, to tackle those issues before we get to the lending institution or the risk management people who are much less forgiving. Uh, you know, we, we try to work with our clients as best as possible. You know, we are your client. Uh, we are an independent third party, but we, you know, we at least try to help you navigate some of the issues you may run into. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of the risk managers across the country and I, I've stepped into a bit of an education role for some some major lending institutions. Um, so I know what they're looking for and I know the red flags. And, you know, it's not to say we're, we're doing anything that that isn't proper or unethical, but there's more than one way to present something and, and you may have it one way and, and the same information can be presented a different way that is way less, uh, causes way less issues for them. Uh, you know, whether that be, that be mobile fleets or containers or things like that, how we present that really matters on how they'll, they'll offer the loan. So that's, that's really important to understand and know. Um, then we'll discuss if there's any stabilization needed in the facility. You know, I've, I've run into situations where, where people are buying a facility based on, on market, although the facility is not at market. So we have to look at, do we need to raise the rental rates to market? Um, what about occupancy? Is there any smoothing that's needed? Um, some markets are very seasonal. I'm working on something in Saskatchewan right now. Uh, I will leave out where, but, um, you know, right now occupancy is in that 65% range, but in the summer, every summer they go up to 90 and then back down to 65. So, you know, appraising it today at 65 is not fair, but also appraising at 95 is not fair. So we have to figure out where the, the stabilized occupancy is. Um, and then expenses too, you know, uh, I, I tell my accountant that I would prefer to not make money on paper every year if possible because I don't want to pay taxes. And I know all of you guys are the same way. Um, but we don't sell these things based on those numbers. We have to stabilize the expense ratios too. You know, the fact that you're paying your cell phone bill, your wife's cell phone bill, and your three kids' cell phone bill out of the uh, self-storage facility, you know, probably shouldn't be factored into the appraisal. Um, so we need to take a lot of the expenses to market. Uh, we also run into situations, and there's another podcast I've done in the past about the liability, the property tax liability of purchases. Um, so we'll look at the property tax number and say, well, hey, yeah, I understand it's 25 grand this year, but when you sell it, it's going to go up to 50 and we need to account for that. So we'll stabilize all those things to get a real picture of what the expenses should look like, not necessarily what they do look like, because those are usually very different pictures. Um, you know, and then we'll go through and say, okay, well, this is what the, uh, the, you know, estimated gross in the EGI estimated gross income is, um, and then your vacancy, and we'll look at vacancy, whether that be your vacancy, market vacancy, a combination of both. Um, you know, we run into situations where someone has below market rents, but they're also 98.9% occupied, and you go, well, you need to raise your rates, but when you do, you're going to lose some of the occupancy. So it's it's kind of a one big moving picture that, that all the pieces kind of need to fit into, and that, that's our job. Then we, uh, we go to the market and we go, okay, well, what are the comparables? Um, you know, what, 
similarly what similarly has uh sold you know what can we look at and and unlike a residential appraisal or even a lot of commercial appraisals you know there, there's only 30 self-storage transactions across canada a year some years more some years less and they're not all comparable you know i can't take a ten thousand square foot facility in olds alberta and compare it to a two hundred thousand square foot facility in vancouver so you know we have to look at what the proper comparables are and go okay well you know we have these comparables that have sold recently however these are more valid based on location size quality condition um rental rates all that kind of stuff plays in um so we pick the best comparables we can and we adjust them you know whether that be uh, upwards or downwards for location, you know, like Vancouver is a hotter market than Calgary, but Vancouver's had recent sales of, of you know, class A and, and class B facilities that are, are very good. Uh, so if we're doing something in Calgary, we'll adjust the sales price down or the cap rate up for the location. And, and a lot of different things factor into that. You know, you have, like I said, quality, condition, location, occupancy, rents, market, um, you know, all that different stuff matters. So we'll adjust everything and then we'll go, okay, well, here's the cap rate we think, apply it to your NOI, which is your net operating income, which we've factored by taking your expected gross, subtracting your expenses off. There's your NOI, cap that out. And there's a, a number and we usually use a, a half point range. So let's say you saying, well, it's a six and a half cap, but we'll look at what a 6.25 and a 6.75 are as well. So we can see the range. Um, but we don't just do one approach because you can run into weird situations, um, whether it be occupancy issues or rental issues or things like that. So we also do a direct comparison approach, uh, usually, um, in an appraisal. So that's where we look at those same comps and go, okay, well, this sold for $150 a square foot and this sold for 250 and, and where are they? What are they? How big are they? Um, and we adjust those prices to come up with a, uh, a price, per square foot that we think would work for your facility. And, and the direct comparison approach, uh, especially in income generating properties, is really more of a back check than a, a thing we, we go to as the number one because everyone's buying these based on income. What can I get for cash flow? You know, and, and that's, that's where, where everyone really goes to. But you need to make sure that the number you've come up with there makes sense. And that's where the direct comparison approach comes in. Uh, in rare cases too, or uh, the case of using new construction, we will do a cost approach, which is where we figure out your land value, figure out your costs associated with building, hard costs, soft costs, financing, you know, building permits, all that stuff, what your developer's profit is. And then we come up with a cost approach as well. And those should all be very close together. Um, if they're off, we need to look at what's going on uh, and figure out where the, where the issue is. Um, so we look, look at those approaches and go, usually we go, well, we're going to lean towards the income approach because um, that's what everyone's buying. But also look, the direct comparison approach is within five, 10% of that income approach. So that all makes sense. And um, here's the value and we sign our name to it and uh, our insurance is attached to it. Um, and that's really why people come to us is is they're looking to offload the risk. If, if we're wrong, we get sued. Um, you know, I, I run into this, this argument with realtors all the time. And I know some of you guys are listening to the podcast and you've probably had this conversation with me, which is they'll argue about my appraised value being too low because of course, no offense, realtors, that's your job. Uh, and my response is great. Then how about you just sign the report and send it off to the bank and have them finance on it? And they go, well, the bank won't finance on my signature. And 
Exactly. Um, in appraisal, we are historically based. We look at what has happened. Yes, we will look at what's going on in the market, but we are only as good as that last sale. Uh, you know, we stay very up to date with the sales and what's going on in the market and transactions. And we know for a while that the appraised values we were coming up with probably were a little below what the actual market is paying. But there was no proof. So we we would give you the upper end of our scale, but we couldn't go beyond or we wouldn't go beyond because there's just no proof um, to do that. You know, and, and that caused some issues. But I think once we explain that to everyone, they get it. And, and I can tell you the risk managers and the lending guys, if they see a value outside of the range, all the red flags go off, the horns start sounding, my phone starts ringing. Um, and it usually causes a problem. So, you know, we have an accepted method we go through. Uh, we're all certified by the Appraisal Institute of Canada. So, you know, we've gone through a lot of training and, and we have ethical standards and, and lots of different things um, that we have to adhere to. So that's why an appraisal isn't a thousand bucks. It's definitely more than that. And, you know, it, it takes some time. Um, some other things to note is that uh, in our ethics standards, if we're appraising a facility that exists, I have to show up. I have to be there. I have to put eyes on it. I have to walk the facility. Um, this is to make sure that it exists. It is as claimed. Uh, and it's not that we don't trust you. Uh, there was just some issues in the past with uh, some previous appraisers back in the 90s appraising some buildings that had burnt down as if they hadn't because they didn't do a site inspection. And uh, we don't want any issues like that. Um, so please keep in mind, I will have to do a site inspection or any appraiser should do a site inspection. And it may not be them. It may be someone from their office, but someone has to inspect the site. Now, if you're doing an as-proposed build and it's a vacant piece of land, different conversations can be had about that because, well, vacant land is vacant land. Um, so yeah, that, that's the general um, general gist of an appraisal and, and why you do it and how you do it. Um, if you catch me when I'm not super busy, I can have you an appraisal in two weeks. Uh, right now, we're looking more like three. Um, again, as stated before, if you want it faster, you know, uh, things cost more money, but it can be done quickly. Uh, but only to a point. I mean, reports are 70, 80 pages long. They're well-researched. They're well-written. It's not something that can be turned around in 24 hours. And if someone tells you they can, I would be suspect of what they're producing. So that's uh, kind of a 10,000-foot view of appraisal. If you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, want to tell me I'm wrong, uh, I'm more than happy to argue with you via email or on the phone. Uh, emails pwood at cssvs.ca. Uh, phone number will be on the bottom of the podcast uh, link there. And uh, hopefully this gives you a bit more insight and will prepare you for the process. Uh, the earlier you can talk to an appraiser, the better. Uh, we can help you through a lot of things, even when we're not writing a report. You know, for, for my clients, I give them before and after service. You know, thinking about buying something, call me. I'll do a back of the napkin for you and tell you if you're if you're on you know in the right ballpark or, or what you're looking at, what we've seen sell in the area, you know, help you with all that. After service, we're always here to talk to lenders, walk them through any issues because some of this stuff gets pretty complex with mobile fleets and insurance sales and containers versus regular storage and just a lot of different things that can happen. Um, so we're always here to help our clients with, with, with their lenders and, and we're more than happy to talk to them before or after. A lot of the time I'll 
ask to speak with the lender before I start a report to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, and it's always good to have the conversation before you engage the appraisal too. You know, I've started doing this. I'm like, well, where is your head at for value? Because I want to make sure I'm not taking on a project that that is going to wind up with us never seeing eye to eye and and me banging my head against the wall and then it just being difficult. You know, if you have a number you're paying for, for a property, an appraiser should be able to tell you if you're in the ballpark or not. You know, I might not be able to tell you that, you paying $7.98 million is perfect, but I can tell you that you're in the 7.8 to $81 million range for that property. So yeah, you know, we, we can get an appraisal that'll work, but if you're paying $11 million for that same property, I'd rather tell you you're out to lunch and I can't help you, um, than get into the middle of the appraisal and, and not be able to complete or, or provide, produce something that just doesn't work. And then it's not useful to you and I'm not willing to move my numbers and just cause all kinds of problems. So yeah, Open communication is the best. Again, any questions, please feel free to reach out. And thanks for uh, listening to this episode. See you all soon.